It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday check-in. An edition of the Monday check-in that we are fairly certain will be squirrel-free. Just for... If you were, if there's anybody out there concerned, how many squirrels are going to show up during this? Probably zero, but also I, who knows? I do have to point out when I got home from church yesterday, there were not one, not two, but there were three very fat squirrels sitting in and around my driveway and front yard, um, which was probably driving the dog bonkers, but she was inside the house and watching the squirrels. And when I pulled up, the squirrels scattered to, uh, but they didn't scatter very quickly because they're quite fat. Mm. So, yeah, squirrels have been living large on pumpkins around here lately. And that was that was really the result. Yeah, I, I had taken my pumpkins from Halloween and I had cut them into pieces and scattered them in my yard for the squirrels, which is probably why there were three of them hanging out in my yard. <laughs> um, I was uh, I was driving down the street the other day. Um, and uh, someone had set their pumpkin like right next to the curb, so it was close, so I could get a good look at it, right? And there was a, I was driving by, and there was a squirrel sitting next to it, like up on his or her haunches, and had like one paw on the pumpkin, just proud as it could be, just <laughs> like, and just like looking at cars as they drove by, and like, yeah, you're jealous. This is my pumpkin. It's all mine. Just relax, just just relax, just having a, just like, you know, if you or I were at a barbecue, you know, just relaxed and had their pumpkin. It was, seemed like they were having a great time. Hey, uh, this is the Monday check-in. What we're going to do eventually is we're going to take a look at the scripture that we're going to use for the upcoming Sunday at First Presbyterian Church uh, and have a little chat about it, ask questions of the text, let the text ask questions of us. And then we'll switch gears and do a little bit of announcements, um, sharing the, the life of the church at First Press Hastings. We uh, are not in our studio, folks have noticed, uh, because we have a special guest joining us. Um, my name is Damon. I'm one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Hastings, First Presbyterian Church of Hastings, joined, uh, as always, by Greg. There's Greg. Yes, he, yeah, gave, he gave a wave. Mm-hmm. And, and also joined by Reverend Shelly Latham. Hello, Shelly. Hi there. It is a treat to be with you all, um, despite the fact that you cannot promise me any squirrels for today. And I am joining you from my apartment in Omaha. I moved here from Atlanta in January and uh, I'm still not quite accustomed to how brisk it has gotten. So I'm uh bundled up and and ready to dig into the scripture with you. So um, I serve on the board of the Omaha Presbyterian Seminary Foundation. So Shelly and I are on Zoom calls with some frequency, and there's occasion that her cat makes an appearance in these Zoom calls. And I have a question. Uh, Does your cat uh, watch the squirrels outside the window of your apartment? Well, if squirrels could get up as high as my apartment, I believe that the cat would. I I actually have... um, 
have two cats, uh, Colin, um, who is watching currently from um, like the pinnacle of the apartment in a little basket. So he's peering down, making sure we're on point today. And then Amelia, Amelia came from Atlanta where she used to have a yard. And so she is the one who is most likely to to have her eye on the squirrels. They have a little tent that sits on my balcony that uh, to keep them from plunging to their death while they um, check out what's going on out in the world. Yeah. So my, my sister had a cat when I was growing up and it was an indoor cat. It was not allowed outdoors, but it would sit at the window and watch for both birds and squirrels. And it would, it would actually like cackle and chirp at them making noises <laughs> that cats I don't think should be making uh but it would sit there and like if there was a bird outside the window it would it would chirp and it sounded an awful lot like a bird and I wonder if this was a hunting technique that it would try to you know put those birds at ease so that it could then pounce on them though this cat was never outside to pounce on the birds it was um yeah it's in training in case the opportunity I mean, ever ever arose yeah well, my house Practicing story we had, these, we had these storm windows that were about like four inches apart so the cat could actually squeeze in between the outer storm window and the inner storm window and would sometimes do that um and i was not always as nice to the cat as i should have been and so there were, were occasions where the storm windows would get closed with the cat squeezed in between the outer storm window and the inner storm window. just just temporarily but it didn't ever seem to bother the cat wow you didn't grow up in a household with karen heitman I did not grow up in a household with Karen Heitman. She would not have tolerated me closing this cat in the storm window. Mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm. Yeah, the cat dog, like, uh, the cats have, like, a particular, like, tail. Um, the twitch. Flick. Yeah, yes. also, when they're, like, when they think they're kind of on to prey, that's different than, mm -hmm. than normal. Yeah. And the cat, the, does your cat cackle and chirp at the birds, Damon? Yeah, she, yeah, she kind of, like, yeah, kind of chirp and click at them mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's very weird cats are strange animals they are strange strange strangely amazing some would say <laughs> some would say that <laughs> um so this coming sunday is um christ the king or reign of christ sunday and uh, Shelly will be doing some preaching for us at first Press hastings and also leading a forum uh, part of a forum series uh, that morning as well. <laughs> and so uh, one of the scriptures that we're going to take a look at for this coming Sunday is uh, from the uh, from Revelation, the book of Revelation. Uh, it comes from chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, and it reads something like this. Oh, did I do Hang that? Wrong? Let me let me make sure. Let me just, you know, you are perfect. Perfection. Keep on no. keeping on. That's not true, but I appreciate you saying. <laughs> if he was perfection, he would be Methodist, because John Wesley thought people could achieve sanctification in this lifetime, whereas we Reformed Presbyterians do not believe that humans are capable of perfection. But that's that's neither here nor there. Great. Great. <laughs> <My> <laughs> <laughs> also, side note, my grandmother had a cat named Perfection. And that, that is seems a... ironic, probably, <laughs> I would assume. 
perfect segue into <laughs> Revelation it. chapter one, verses four through perfection. <laughs> perfection. Oh, perfection. Was it actually <laughs> like spelled that way? I believe so. Yes. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a long line of creatives in your family. Clearly, <laughs> I, I now have a better understanding of where you get it from. Mm-hmm. So we this is we are in Revelation one. We are Revelation okay. one four through eight. All right, so it reads something like this. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us to be excuse me, and made us to be a kingdom, a priest serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. So we're not in the studio this morning. Folks may have noticed. Uh, <laughs> So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. That's how that reads. Uh, Shelly, what do you got? All right. Well, I think maybe starting off with um, how I came to select the scripture might be a little bit helpful for your folks for this morning. Uh, I was thinking about the class that I'm going to be leading, which is looking at the state of the church and um, was hoping for something that might be able to couple both worship and where we will be headed in, uh, in class on Sunday. And as Damon says, it is Christ the King Sunday. It is that is also known as Rain of Christ Sunday. Um, And for folks who may not be familiar with our liturgical calendar, this is the last Sunday that that leads us into Advent. So um, we will be, you'll be transitioning on the following week headed, headed into the Advent season. And um, before that, we are reminded of the rule and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And, um, and so we'll be looking at a text which actually comes from the Revised Common Lectionary, which is a three-year cycle of, of scriptures from last year, uh, Christ the King Sunday. And, uh, and I, I'm really digging down into a specific couple of verses, the ones that really talk about the reign and, um, and Christ's kingdom. So um, I'm going to reread verse, the end of verse five and into verse six, just to kind of get us in the section of the, the passage where we'll be doing the most work on Sunday. And it says to him, who loves and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Priests serving his God and father to him be glory and dominion 
forever and ever. Amen. So we're talking about, you know, it's, it's the reign of Christ. Um, so to Christ who loves and freed us and made us a kingdom. Um, and so we'll be thinking about what it means to be under the rule of the reign of a king that's like no other kings, a ruler that's like no other rulers who is Christ. Like this isn't any ordinary rule. We are a different kind of kingdom because of who our 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 leader, our ruler is. And then it transitions into this. Um, li- the The next section says, "Made us a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father." Um, and so we we have two terms in there that we're not super familiar with as modern day Americans, you know, we're talking about kingdoms and we're talking about priesthood, which we don't talk about a whole lot in the old Presbyterian church USA. And, um, and so um, I'm looking forward to thinking about what, what it means that when Christ makes us part of Christ's realm um and is our ruler that that means that we we become priests like that's it's really interesting to me to think about that and then start thinking about okay well if we're all walking around as priests in this whole priesthood of of believers what does that look like um do you uh, I don't, do you want to ask me some questions? Do you want me to keep rambling on? What are, what what happens now? <laughs> well, I yeah I think the connection to the priesthood of all believers would be an interesting one. There's actually a tie to my sermon on Sunday here that I think could also be teased out a little bit as well, um, because I focused on the words of the Lord's Prayer: uh, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." And how God is, uh, we're, we're asking God to engage in this kingdom building work, uh, not just in the afterlife in heaven, but also right here on earth. Um, and that also we are invited to be co-workers with God in that kingdom building work. So when we utter those words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we're committing to, uh, to try to embrace those kingdom values and to work on that kingdom building work on earth as it is in heaven. So not just an afterlife thing, but a here and now thing. And so I think, I think there's a connection there, which will be fun to explore. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, building on the, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I think that one of the important things, and you may have done a little bit of this work in your sermon is um, in the Lord's prayer, the thy is really important the your kingdom may your kingdom come may your will be done and and then may we be partners in doing that work and bringing forth that kingdom but i i think that we have the tendency to build the instead of building our kingdom our earthly like ways of living and relationships and, um, and, and even leadership structures upon 
thy kingdom, God's kingdom, we tend to try to take our ideals and make God's kingdom into our into our image. Um, and um, the same thing with the thy thy will be done. Like we, you know, the that we're asking that it's a a petition that we will be about the work of God that God intends for God's kingdom. And um, I think it's interesting as we roll into this week and then think about what it means to be made a kingdom. It's not just any old, you know, it's not just, it's not just any old kingdom. And, um, you know, where do we find examples in scripture of what the realm of God really is to look like? And then how do we begin to partner in making that? So I think I do, I, I agree with you, Greg. I think that's a, an interesting connection. Yeah. It's, there's, um, this, there seems like a, a, a bit of a calling to be, um, to be ruled by something different. Um, uh, and I, I think also like to be part of a kingdom, you have to be willing to submit yourself to, to what the ruler of the kingdom says goes, right? Or the norms that the ruler defines in some way, um, which connects that, right, with Shelley, with, you know, it's, this is thy, this is your kingdom. Um, and I would like to be a part of it. And also I want to function in the world differently than um, folks who belong to other kingdoms. <laughs> and even I myself, uh, sometimes I, I change my, um, what's that called? Citizenship, mm-hmm. right? Um, sometimes I'm more than willing to to act like a, like a priest. And sometimes I'm more than willing to act like a capitalist. And sometimes I'm more than willing to act like a, whatever, whatever else the case might be. I love the, I really appreciate you using the language of citizenship. I think that that helps us to, um, as, as folks who've never lived under the but I'm assuming most of the folks who are listening to your podcast um, did not grow up in countries with a king or a queen and so the I think that the citizenship and the loyalty to um, some sort of common understanding of rule is is helpful yeah I'm also um we've this is a, I teach the confirmation class and we've been focused on the, who is your Lord and savior question uh, from, from the mm-hmm. confirmation. And so we've been talking about lordship, like what is a Lord <laughs> lately? Um, and, and that idea of you can, you can really only pledge allegiance to like really one thing at a time. Uh, and that might be yourself. It might be a team. It might be a school, uh, or it could be God <laughs> or Jesus. And which I think is, is a really, 
when you sit down and think about it, is really is a is a really challenging thing to think that if is if Jesus is my Lord and all of the aspects of my life, then uh, then that that could come with interesting results for me, I suppose. Um, and I also think about this. Um, the golden rule, right? We're talking about rulers, right? And rules. Um, and the golden rule is popping into my head as well. Right? Like, what does it mean to be a part of the kingdom? By what rule are we going to live? Um, or by whose rule? Well, there's this golden rule thing floating around that seems <laughs> pretty good uh, and also incredibly challenging at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Dead air. Awkward pause. Yeah, I do think Shelley um, acknowledging that both kingdom and priests are words that are foreign to our ears um, as Presbyterians living in the United States. And so fleshing out what that looks like, what's the priesthood of all believers. And, and I, I do love this language in the passage that... Um, Jesus loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom priest serving under his God and father. It's, it's, uh, it's placing a claim on us, right? And we're supposed to be living in a particular way based on that claim. Um, I, our staff block that is published on our bulletin and in our newsletter, every, uh, every time we publish those documents, uh, and I inherited this, I don't take any credit for this, but it, it says, uh, head of the church, Jesus Christ, ministers, members, and then it goes on to list the, the what are called the paid staff, right? Like pastors and whatever else. And I, I refer back to that with some regularity, that all of us are ministers, and that's, a, that's probably a language that's a little bit more familiar um, to Presbyterians, but to, to really explore what is the priesthood of all believers like if we're all priests we're not all roman catholic priests with black shirts and white collars but we're, we're all priests um that's the claim that's being made uh both in paul's letters and here in revelation too right yeah you know what's interesting about priests like they stand out right <laughs> like you go through the grocery mm -hmm. store and like and you see somebody wearing a clerical collar like you know that they're a priest um just by just by their presence like they're immediately recognizable um so then i think that this question like a question maybe that the text is asking of us is like what is immediately recognizable um about your about your living as a citizen of this of this kingdom right i had a um uh, when i was in seminary it's a derailing a little bit but when I was in seminary my final year I took a class called final things and we were supposed to a piece of that was becoming comfortable with our pastoral identity and so we were called we were called <laughs> we were told that we had to wear a 
clerical collar for a week. And I was so deeply uncomfortable with this premise. Like I remember being in the uh, line to get like my burrito rolled and uh, a kid pointing at me and saying, dad, it's a girl, man. Um, Cause I'm sure that she, she'd never seen a, a female wearing a, a clerical collar before, but um, having my pastoral identity on display out and about in the world all the time, like when I was getting a burrito was just something that really was challenging to me. Um, and so this idea of all of us being accepting some some sense of call to being obvious about our you know our vocation and our you know living out of our faith in the world I, I, I find that really compelling and at the same time it sort of gives me a little bit of a a pit in my stomach, like we're maybe we're not called to be undercover. Um, and what does it look like then to for that priesthood to be on display in school and uh, at work? And um, and how may that call us to get a little bit uncomfortable? There's um, I when I was working on on choosing some hymns for this week. Um, I love the hymn. I sing the song of the saints of God. Um, and, uh, it's sort of like, it's catchy and it's cute. Like it's like, and one was, a something and one was a queen and one was a shepherdess on the green. And, um, and like that all of these people are saints but they're also like they're priests they're called to a vocation a life of of service within their particular that's the beautiful thing about the priesthood of all believers we're not called to the same tasks um we're just we're we're all called to to be to to the priesthood but my role in the priesthood looks really different from, you know, somebody who is um, serving in a mission field or somebody who part of their vacation is teaching, like they genuinely feel called to teach and how do you live out your, your priesthood in, in the school or in the board room or when you're retired, uh, what does that, that look like? That's, it's, that's interesting to think about. Yeah, the uh, I I wear a clerical collar on Sundays when I lead worship, but the first thing I do when I step out the door of the church uh, at the end of uh, worship is I I take it off uh, because usually I'm going either to the grocery store to pick it up or I'm going to like someplace to pick up lunch or whatever, um, and I have to rethink why I do that and maybe, <laughs> but the the other time I've had that experience is when I've been traveling in the Middle East um, because. Uh, in, and this is specifically my experience in, uh, in Lebanon, in Syria and in Iraq, where there is a significant Christian minority, like in Lebanon, it's, it's somewhere between 30 and 40% of the country are Christian in Syria. It's like 15 to 20%. And then in the parts of Iraq that I was traveling in, 
uh, there was a significant Christian minority as well, but but a small percentage, like 10 or 15%. And the thing about the Middle East is that uh, people wear outward and visible signs of their faith uh, in their daily lives, uh, particularly uh, Muslim women, but uh, also Muslim men. Uh, and, and so Christians in turn do the same thing. So their mode of dress uh, is different and you can spot a Christian in Lebanon, Syria, or Iraq based on how they're dressing. And then they also, almost all, my experience, a lot of them will wear a visible cross uh, as well. And so it's interesting because they're living in a very public way. They're living in a context in which your faith is publicly displayed. Um, we don't have that same sort of thing here in the United States as much. Uh, there are certainly contexts in which we do, but uh, here in central Nebraska, that's not um, not something that we see as much. But it was really interesting for me to observe that. And as I was traveling, I was with the Presbyterian delegation who was visiting the Presbyterian churches in those countries, in Lebanon, in Syria and Iraq. And I was asked to wear my clerical collar by our partners in those countries as a distinction so that people realized uh, that not only was I Christian, but I was uh, a Christian leader, so to speak. Um, and it, it was just really interesting to be swimming in that water and having that experience and reflecting on that um, because that, that is different than our experience back home. But if we take this stuff seriously, that uh, Jesus loves us and freed us and made us to be a kingdom priest serving our God and father, we should have, we should be living in a way that is distinct, that makes us stand out, right? Whether it's a physical dress thing or the way that we interact with the world or treat people, it's, um, there's definitely something to that. I, um, I appreciate that. The, um, I thinking about the living in a way that is distinct. Um, I, it also, that also sort of bumps up against some of my discomfort with this language, like the priesthood language and the kingdom language. Um, and I think Sometimes um, I'm trying to figure out the way to put the words around this, but I, I, I mentioned to Greg that I struggle sometimes with uh, this particular Sunday, the the um, reign of Christ or Christ the King Sunday, and I think it is because um, it stirs up for me, some anxiety about a really triumphal colonial church that comes in and feels exceptional um, and, um, and so needs to, you know, and, and the, the model for kingship is, you know, wanting to get as many territories under the rule of, you know, the king of England or whatever. And, um, and so this idea of distinct being distinct, um, I think can be both beautiful and really dangerous. And, um, and that, you know, in living in a particular way, being out and about and public with our um, our faith, I think, is incredibly important as long as we 
are remembering that we were made into a particular type of kingdom. Um, and it's the kingdom of a, a ruler who exhibited compassion and fought against death and um, extended mercy. Um, and even in our priesthood, I think we can get like self-elevated, like with our um, our our deeds being more about us and less about really showing forth the fullness of the of the gospel and um, and just the the all-encompassing, like beyond us love of God. And so, how do we how do we how can we be distinct, but our distinction is a, is about exhibiting a love that's beyond us. I think it can get to be, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good point um, to, to be distinct, um, to be distinctly loving <laughs> or distinctly humble or um, yeah, to be distinct without, being superior, I suppose. Right? Um, you're talking. We're talking about the reign of Christ and Christ the King Sunday, and I'm noticing over my shoulder is an image of Jesus the Shepherd. Um, so it's this King who's also a shepherd. <laughs> yeah. This this King who's also the servant of all. Um, this King who says the last will be first and the first shall be last and. Um, Whoever wants to be great among you should be a servant of, of everyone else. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's holding both of these things um, together. That yeah, I, that's it. I think that's a really good point, Shelley. Those are that's a there's a, a sort of a tension there of some sorts, I suppose. So Damon usually wraps up our conversation by asking me, mostly sometimes me asking him. So do you think it'll preach, Shelley? I do. I think it, I, I do think it will preach. Um, I am looking forward to the, all the words coming together. And, uh, but yeah, I think that, um, I think it's fun sometimes to wrestle with, um, with something that feels a little bit unfamiliar to us. I, I am going to, pull on that thread, that citizenship thread a little bit. I think that that uh, will be helpful. And, um, and, and I think the reality is all of us have been inspired by people who are living out their vocation as part of the priesthood of all believers and, um, and just stirring a sense of, um, like we know that we've we have seen this and we can be this as well. Yeah, I think I think it'll fingers crossed. I, I feel like it'll come together. <laughs> awesome. I think it I think it will for sure. So um thank you, Shelly, for joining us. We are going to switch gears and talk a little bit about the life of the church at First Press Hastings. Um, and so uh, so we will bid you adieu if you would. I like to... look forward to seeing all of you. I'm headed close to your direction um, to 
hang out with some pastors uh, near Hastings, and then I'll be back out there again on Sunday. So I look forward to being with you and your folks. All right. Thanks, Shelly. Sounds good. Yep. Thank you, Shelly. Okay. Uh, announcements time. Yeah. Uh, what, sh- what should folks be aware of? Well, we'll point out that Shelly teased uh, our adult ed forum, which is awesome. Uh, we've done a, uh, we're doing a three-week series uh, that Damon has entitled The Once and Future Church. And he has gathered a panel of experts. No, I'm kidding. Uh, he's gathered an interesting group of people to talk about this. Uh, one of them two weeks ago was uh, Polly Deppin-Williams, who is the executive presbyter. She helps to support and oversee all of the Presbyterian churches in central Nebraska. So she brought her perspective and we recorded that and posted it to our YouTube page. Um, and then yesterday, uh, Damon actually asked me to lead one. And so I did. And we talked a little bit about uh, what we see in terms of trends of the once and future church. And then this coming Sunday, we've got Shelly, uh, who's in a unique position as well as the president of the Omaha Presbyterian Seminary Foundation to talk about what she sees as the once and future church. So an invitation to all of our listeners to uh, join us for that. Uh, it's in the Lydia room at 915 during the adult ed, or during the Sunday school hour. Um, and we hope you can join us for that. And we will record it and post it as well. So um, that's what's going on with our adult ed. What's, uh, what else is going on? Well, uh, also just a little sneak preview for the next adult ed series. Um, so Shelly will go this Sunday and then there won't be anything Thanksgiving weekend. And then when we get back from Thanksgiving, the Cathedral Brass, who is serving as our artists in residence, um, it's the singular group, isn't it? So they're serving as our artist in residence uh, this year. Or we could say our ensemble in residence, if that would be easier. Okay. Yep. Uh, they're uh, serving as uh, some sort of uh, art people <laughs> or person in residence this year. Uh, folks, uh, they've played for during worship services several times over the past years and, um, and several times this year. They're going to do two forums. Um, when we get back, uh, so in December, um, so just a little sneak preview for that, I suppose. Uh, also, sun this coming Sunday morning, we'll have our regular worship schedule. Following the ten thirty service is going to be the hanging of the greens. So uh, the senior high pulled everything up from the basement last night, and it'll be gone over during the week and prepped. And if folks are willing and would like to, to stick around uh, after the 1030 service, hopefully we can get things set and in place, maybe with enough folks in maybe about an hour. Uh, there'll be some breakfast pizza available. And, um, we should put some music on uh, through the sanctuary speakers as well. So uh, folks would like to help out with that. Um, you are certainly more than welcome to do so. That's this coming Sunday after the 1030 service. Excellent. Um, Damon and many members of the church have been busy getting together our Advent devotional guide, and uh, that will be published and mailed out, I believe, this week so that it hits people's homes, but hopefully before the season of Advent. Uh, and included with that is the reverse Advent calendar, which has become kind of a, a beautiful tradition at this church. I, is it the fourth year we've done that? Um, that's at least the 
I think this will be the fourth year. I think, yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, we collect. Uh, I'm trying to picture the covers in my mind. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. we collect right. stuff for our local ministry partners uh, that, that that helps them to do the ministry that they're called to do, and so uh, we hope you'll join us in that, both in participating by reading the Advent devotional with a prayer each day and a theme each week, uh, and then also collecting the items that are listed in the Reverse Advent devotional calendar. So we're pretty excited about that too. Um, yeah, our Wednesday Night Live program is still going on. We're preparing for our children's Christmas pageant. Uh, so they're doing that during choir practice on Wednesday nights and also they're meeting on uh, Sunday afternoons to do that as well. Um, that will be the third Sunday of Advent that the children help lead us in worship by sharing the Christmas pageant. And what else do we need to share? Um, um, <laughs> um, I caught a little bit of the angels aware rehearsal seemed like a lively lively group lively time well we had a little preview of it as well uh in worship on sunday because our children's choirs uh sang a couple of songs that are from the angels aware that they were practicing and worked really well in the context of the service mm-hmm. uh we also have a saturday Chris... sorry so i was just gonna say go for saturday, it. saturday november 26th uh, if you are looking for something to to do for a little bit over the holiday uh, with your family. Have a uh, Christmas craft make and take event from two to five at the church. So I think there's five different um, little craft stations, very family friendly things. Uh, It'll be a hot chocolate bar. Uh, So you can come down to the church and make some Christmas or Advent uh, crafts and, and take them home to maybe help decorate your tree or your hearth or your um i don't know whatever it is that you decorate uh your heart as well um yeah stop on in i think they are still looking for a few volunteers to to help out with that so if you that seems like fun to you um come come on down or or let us know if you're going to volunteer let us know in particular but all right anything else um one other thing friday december 2nd uh we are partnering with food for thought uh which is a group from hastings college that helps to provide um meals for for kids and for families um over the weekend uh we're helping to do a fundraiser for them in our fellowship hall uh it's like a trivia night there'll be some some chili i think uh come in and play some trivia and and support food for thought which is a a group that we have given communion offerings to in the past as well so yeah all right that sounds like a lot going on it does it does um we didn't do an opening prayer we did not should we close in prayer yeah so um are you can you give an opening and a closing prayer all in one here's your Here's your pastoral challenge for the for the day. Oh man, Damon. Okay, here goes. Let's uh, let's let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather and for a special guest to help uh, help us understand, or at least to explore uh, your holy word and the call that it places on our lives. Thank you for the technology that allowed us to do that, and uh, and for the lively conversation. Thank you that your spirit moved among us, a spirit of wisdom and truth, a spirit of courage, and above all, a spirit of love. 
As we uh, close our program today, we thank you as well, God, for the opportunity that we have um, to be your people and to think about what it means to be a member of your kingdom and what it means to be a priest in that kingdom as we celebrate the notion of the priesthood of all believers. Uh, be with Shelley in her sermon preparation and the busy week she has ahead and be with all of us as we continue to study this scripture and prepare to hear it read and proclaimed on Sunday and uh, reflect on how it calls us to be citizens of the kingdom of God and what that citizenship looks like. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.